Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I don't know when you're coming to us right now at Word with God, the podcast with Carrie and Stan. I've got two things right off the bat I want to talk to you about, Stan. Okay. So, first thing I was thinking about, it's think it's been a really good idea that we didn't call this the Evangel Podcast. Yeah, it is. It Why is that? Why is well, that? Because Evangel is um, heavy on the way. Can you hear our dog? <laughs> yeah. Yo. I don't know. Uh, it. Yeah, I can't. Okay. Yeah, let me. Uh... Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Good whatever time of the day it is that you are coming to us at the Word with God podcast with Carrie and Stan. I've got. Two things I wanted to ask you about, Stan, or talk to you okay. about. One of them, if you could comment on, I was thinking about how it was a good idea that we didn't end up calling this the Evangel Podcast. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah, things are uh, beginning to um, really come together. We have a church merger that has uh, taken place in the last few months. It's been a while since we've been together, hasn't it? It's been a minute or two. Yeah, this COVID thing, I mean, that's kind of messing things around too. But uh, yeah, uh, Word with God uh, is uh, no longer part of Evangel because Evangel doesn't exist. And Lincoln Heights doesn't exist. And we come together. What's the new name, Carrie? Is it something like Veritable Church? <laughs> no, not even variable. Oh. It's Verity. Verity, yes. And Verity means? Uh, truth truth so that means you can expect nothing but the unfiltered truth from the word with god podcast now you only get that from the original manuscripts of scripture okay not from us i, mean, I wish we were that uh, that good but we're not so the other thing i wanted to talk about mm -hmm. was for anyone who's not in the know be and a regular member of either of those two former churches now this one church we would sometimes, from Evangel, go hang out at Lincoln for a bit. Yeah. Then they'd come and hang out at Evangel yeah. for a bit. And uh, someone who is a fine connoisseur of the well, of the fine arts, like television and primetime <laughs> TV, yeah. they, they always had the will-they-won't-they they story going on. Okay. And people, people are saying that the stories always went downhill after the couple got together is that going to be our story i hope not, <laughs> I hope not. Uh, uh, we do have a guest today okay she's uh not much of a talker and oh, okay. uh if we're lucky different than normal this will be different we don't want to hear her at all but just no. in case we do have uh someone in the room with us well you, you have a creature in the room you call I mean, her a creature not, she, i mean i don't know whether she's She's not human, that's for oh, sure. She belongs to you. You get to say what you want. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I have my dog, uh, Hattie, is in the room, and uh, at this point, kind of behaving herself and being quiet, but uh, who knows? You never know what will happen. Yeah, if you hear any panting that's not coronavirus, uh, <laughs> that's the dog in the cage. Okay, absolutely. So what can you tell us about this merger? Because... It's something that I would say is a little bit rare in churches. Mm -hmm. We're not, most of us are not used to going to a church and then it dissolving and becoming a new entity. Yeah. And there is also some history behind this particular merger and it's right. been, uh, you know, on the books, I guess, for a while. About four or maybe. five years we've been talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know. It was a bit, if we're going to talk relationship style, one of those ones where the boy likes the girl and uh, maybe she said no a few times, maybe, maybe or maybe it's the other way around. Yeah. And then, because we, we just, you know, the world always is spinning. Things I mean, get it's thrown like timing, up. right? Sometimes yeah. two people come together at the wrong time and it doesn't work out. And, and sometimes it never works out because the timing, you know, uh, and I've seen that in relationships where a guy will like a girl and she's not, you know, she's not really into it. And then they break up. He starts dating somebody else. And then she's really, it's like it kind of hits her. 
but at that point in time, he's no longer interested. Mm-hmm. And then I've even seen it go one more flip around where he then becomes interested. And, in, you know, so that can go on forever. And you can, it's kind of, I think that's maybe where that saying, like, ships passing in the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not really aware that you're there, but. Um, and no. I guess we, we should add, you know, no metaphor is perfect. So we did always like each other. Yes. It was always... just about timing. Yeah. in the past so what when did this start really you said four or five years ago and like what has the journey been and how did we end up here it i mean god has really put on my heart this idea of brokering better relationships between churches and something that i just from the business background that i have i really didn't understand why we have uh, these small churches in small, I'll say, you know, 20 people to up to about 50, 60 who are struggling on their own. They can barely keep the lights on. They can uh, barely afford a part-time person to be doing the teaching and administrating. Um, and, and everybody's wear, wearing like three hats, you know, doing three or four jobs. And the people are exhausted. They go through people. People come, they stay maybe a year, maybe a year and a half. They, they get burned out and they mysteriously over Christmas or summer break disappear and you never see them again. And I just thought there, be, there has to be a better way than this. And, and so we have uh, these buildings that are very rarely used, you know, once a week, maybe one other time through the week. And that they're million dollar, two million dollar buildings, and they're hardly that uh, the lights are hardly being turned on. And so, what would happen if two or three of these churches gathered together, got um, kind of critical mass of a hundred, hundred and twenty-five people, and then were able to to do in ministry what they could not do on their own? by coming together and, and becoming one. I mean, you're going to worship together in eternity forever. Uh, why not start now? What language will we worship with in eternity? It could be a heavenly tongue. I don't know. Maybe Hebrew, maybe Greek. I, I don't know. I'm comfortable with English. Maybe maybe a bit well, of French. but Well, there you go. I would say French would leave me. I would, I would be very out of the loop in French. I'm okay with that. Okay. It was me being out of the <laughs> Yeah, way. yeah. Okay. That's like the rest of us listening to your sermons. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, do you have any chance have offhand the stat about church closures in a year? So In North America, a little over 3,000. 3,000. So, was there ever any sort of hesitation because, oh, we're actually adding to that stat, which is always comes across as a negative stat mm-hmm. um well every time somebody gets married the single population goes down mm-hmm. and and there's always the opportunity for divorce mm-hmm. and so um but i think what's underneath of it the heart underneath of it which is coming together to do together what we could not do on our own which is really why you get married right and what like you know we will be adding to that because evangel no longer exists lincoln no longer exists mm-hmm. at the same time verity now exists right. and we're there's going to be a new church opening up in evangel's old location i imagine right so technically we're still we're breaking even still or st- <laughs> is that the right okay. term we're staying the same yeah but officially two yeah. churches closed I, th- I think you have to look at the outcome and the outcome hopefully, prayerfully, is that what is here will be stronger, that more people will come to Jesus. It'll be less of a, I mean, when you're in self-protect mode, just survival mode, you're usually not effective in what you're doing. You're usually not effective in reaching new people. With the gospel, you're usually not effective in building up the saints. And so, um, What's going to happen by the two churches coming together and being able to do ministry in a better way is that 
that you'll see more people come to Christ. You'll see more people who have been um, been trained and growing in their faith. Yeah. And another thing that we should talk about is how many churches do you think are going to be using this building at Verity? Well, we, right now we have four churches that are going to be working together out of this building. So our philosophy of ministry in this is to keep the building open as much as possible. And so, I mean, we're going to do some use some technology like planning center to... Uh, organized so you have to be really organized when you're running four different churches out of one structure and uh, so we have a Korean church uh, two Spanish churches and and Verity Church operating together uh, at uh, at the Lincoln Road site and that brings up a good point because if we were only using Sunday or Sunday service maybe have a prayer meeting at some point during the week is there, there'd be we may as well be renting yeah. a place, right? Like, Absolutely. You know, why are we paying to keep the lights on all week if we're only using right. it for really one day a week? And, and um, I was just reading some stuff by Carrie Newhoff today, and I'm I'm not sure what it's going to look like when we come back from the pan, pandemic, not pandemic, pandemic. Um, pandemic is like the cooking spray and yeah, just yeah, too much of it everywhere, yeah, everywhere. That'd be a <laughs> but um, I, th- I think that um, I think that we're going to uh, that we're going to see a different world when when we're finally out of this. Like we've been talking, even as leaders, like we're probably going to do a lot of meetings by Zoom. We may even keep our Tuesday night prayer meeting may be streamed or it may stay on like Zoom. We have more people coming out over Zoom than we did coming to the building. I mean, face it, you get home late uh, from work, uh, you get some supper on, and you just don't feel like going back out again. We just don't have the energy for that, but to sit in your lazy boy rocker and engage in a prayer, a Bible study and prayer time, you can do that. Can I put in my two cents? Sure. It's okay? Yeah. Be positive? Yes. What about doing a combination? Because I know for me, uh, like in my small group, I'm sick of the Zoom stuff. Okay. Uh, I I find it exhausting or like hard to focus because I'm just staring at my screen the whole time. Okay. If we could have a meeting and have a thing set up, a computer or whatever, set up, so people who want to call in can still be mm-hmm. a part of it that way and we can still hear them and they can still talk. But for those of us who are value, I guess, or really get a lot more of it by being face-to-face we still are able to take part in that way that's i mean that's that's a certainly a viable way of doing it um i think maybe maybe it's us older people are not as used to that like we don't maybe have as much screen time as younger generations do i mean my screen time last week was around uh, two hours a day. I think that's what Still it Still sounds up. like a lot, even for an old fella. Well, there you go. But I mean, I've, I've got, uh, you know, I know people that are, that are on four or five hours a day. Yeah. They work. You gotta bump up those numbers though. Those <laughs> are rookie numbers, they'd say. Well, anyway, that's, you know, so I, I think that different people and I mean, think of the winter time. Like we always see a hit in small groups in the winter time. But there's some who, who just want to do their small group in person. I think you have to give flexibility in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know we're going to be streaming after this. Um, we may not have as much production that we're doing now, like the church is putting into putting services online. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the dog, not me. Yeah. She's rattling her jail cell. She is. Um so, like, I, I don't know, Carrie. I, I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like and what's going to be effective and what people are going to shake out. Like, there's also been a real decrease. So the first few weeks of online services, um, people were seeing, you know, 30 to 60% increases in their attendance. Mm-hmm. 
those numbers have gone back down now. They're still above what they were uh, before uh, we had COVID, but they're much more they're they're much more deflated now. They're they're you know I think we're seeing maybe uh, about a hundred out on a on a Sunday in COVID, and we would have been more like you know if we were live probably around. 65 to 70 with the two churches coming together uh, so we do have more but the first three weeks of covid we had over 300 uh, i i've got like a bit of a tinfoil hat like theory about facebook okay because i've noticed like with our podcast too when we first put stuff out mm-hmm. the numbers were huge compared to the following weeks and it was the same thing with our they sort of like is there something going on where they're like bumping up our numbers at the start to like encourage us or i don't know what but like it's like where know. the heck did those numbers come from yeah. like it was mind-blowing yeah that first one be yeah that blew my mind when you told me how many people were yeah. i think we were was it 350 400 something yeah. like that yeah yeah um the uh, one thing though is when we were just talking out in the sanctuary, sanctuary just now about the seating, there is some stuff that we do know about and how that will be different in regards to uh, keeping social distancing when this is right. over and the way we need to set up right out there. I, mean, I just got a chance to look at Alberta's uh, guidelines for houses of worship, and they're saying no singing whatsoever. Singing is the worst thing you can do. Uh, they've obviously listened to me sing, <laughs> and um, and so it, it may be one person singing. It may be like I'm not sure what that's going to be like because that is so integral to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body singing to God together. It's just been it, like right from the time of the tabernacle, Moses tabernacle, temple. Music is such a huge part of worship. That I'm, I'm not sure really what that's going to pan out like. I wonder, because, you know, like, there's not really many telephone booths around anymore. Everyone's got a cell phone. They might okay. be going cheap. That yeah. we could just give everyone their own little personal telephone booth in the service while this is going okay. on. You can sing your heart. We don't have to worry about people being out right. of tune. Everyone will sound muffled, so it's fine. Yeah. And uh, that might get around that issue. Okay. There are actually some drive-in churches, couple in London that I'm aware of, where you just you know tune your radio to an FM uh, station on the dial, and and everything's done. You can sing in your own car then. Um, now another thing that they're saying is like no communion, no hmm. um, no church like like functions with potlucks, eating, no food. Like this, really down to what churches are, and and so I don't, I'm not sure. You know, I was speaking on on John and Peter this week in prison, getting thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. You know, where they say we have to obey God, not men, and so I'm not sure that we're at that point. You know what, though? What? Maybe the no eating thing would be okay because I did see on your wall here that eat, leaders eat first. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> that's that's in dog training, and <laughs> and so here's here's my take on it. So, uh, leaders eat first because they protect the pack, and in, in Christianity, leaders feed themselves spiritually first, so that they can protect the church and uh, and feed the church. So what does what does you feeding yourself currently look like with? this quarantine going on okay I'm, I'm doing because of where we are as a church right now and where we have just brought in an associate pastor and uh and asking the question is this the person to to really take over the ministry down the road um in the next few years i'm reading a book here that is called uh when it's time for a new pastor uh called next and uh, written by, and I don't even want to try this guy's name, William, and it's a Dutch name. And my Dutch friends, I'm so sorry, but Vander Blom- Bloemen. Uh-huh. 
something like that. And yeah, even Hattie commented on that. That sounded a little strange, didn't it, dear? Um, and it's called Next, so that's that's something I'm feeding my, I'm, I'm preparing my mind. Uh, of course, I'm reading in Acts. That's where I'm t- preaching out of right now. I am uh, also reading out of the Gospel of John and uh, talking Tuesday nights a little bit about truth because verity means truth. And so every Tuesday night when we get together, I spend about 10 minutes and John uses the word truth more than any other New Testament writer, 27 times I think it is. And uh, so what did Jesus have to say about truth? Uh, We want to be a church that's about truth then I think we need to know what Jesus says about it. And uh, so along with that, we're doing some scripture memory, doing, uh, I know, just just regular, uh, for me, times of silence. Uh, I talk a lot. I talk a lot uh, at home. I talk a lot uh, um, throughout the week to a lot of people. And so for me, uh being quiet and letting God speak to my heart is an important thing, um, and I need that. I find um, there's so much noise in life that uh, being still, and Scripture talks, God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and understand that I'm in control, basically, that I'm the one calling the shots, that I am the one who holds the answers in life too. So there's, there's a huge place of silence in our lives. And uh, my wife knows. I mean, she'll she'll see me. She'll go like, "You need to go. You need to go out and just be by yourself." Or if I sometimes what I do is Sunday Sunday nights I'll go out and see a brain dead movie, something that takes no thinking at all, and I just I just veg. Our brains need that, I think, and then we need time after that. So it's kind of like a think of a cleanse. Mm-hmm. You're cleansing your brain, and then you open and say, "God, what do you want to say to me?" Now I've got all the garbage out. So you did let slip there that we have uh, now an associate pastor that's yeah. starting in June. Yes, and that's Nathan. Yes, Nathan, Nathan Weber. Weber Weber. Yeah, I never know the difference. Like, some people say Weber, some what. His is Weber, Nathan Weber. Uh, well, I like Weber. Okay. I feel like that's natural. I grew up with a Weber, so yeah, you can work he, that he, out he's going to have to come up to me and, like, okay. strong, arm, strong arm me into saying what he thinks is correct. Oh, okay, because, I mean, it's only his name. Well, he is he taller knows. than me, so it might he be He is easy. taller than you. Um, And they have a horse, so if he's used to wrangling that thing. Yeah, there might be. What is it? There are what's 11, a, what's 11 animals man? now. Too many. That's how many. <laughs> no, it's a food chain thing. Oh, so they have goldfish and I don't know. Yeah, when the meat is. market breaks down, <laughs> they're ready. We'll, we'll be coming to their place. Have you ever eaten horse? No. It's, I, it's a little grainy, and drier than beef. You just but, lost half the audience, though. Yeah, they just probably, tuned out. They're like probably. this monster. Yeah. I love. Uh, I don't. know, What's a famous Black Beauty? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no, it's, yeah, I've eaten horse, but and in Ontario, I don't. I'm not sure it's even legal in Ontario. Quebec, it is. Yeah. So it's uh, very lean. Yeah, it is. Told. It is very lean. Uh, all my Dutch friends, like from the Netherlands, they all say they eat it all the time there, okay. quite often. Have you had escargot? No, I can't get my head around that. I did that one. Lori, Lori likes it. Yeah. Uh, like I'll and, and shrimp is fine, and um, uh, what's the other um, uh, scallops? Mm. I like scallops. The scallops. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, back to back associate, to important. Associate pastor. Yes. Now, if I remember right from episode one of this podcast, you've been on Nathan's side of this before when in your first pastoral. Uh, I guess appointment or so. I thought you were coming in for someone else, or were they yeah, completely yeah. gone? They were. Well, they were. Yeah, they. I was there a few weeks uh, in between when they weren't preaching, so they 
um, this person uh, was a friend of mine and he had uh, anxiety attacks and sometimes he'd wake up on a Sunday morning and just could not go in front of people mm -hmm. and so it was a few months where that you know I came in once in a while and then uh, eventually he left just couldn't couldn't do it any longer and uh, and then I took over for him yeah so now being on this side of things is this at all like you know giving your kids a little bit more responsibility and you know taking like taking off your hands a little bit and uh because you're just you're giving over some of the responsibilities that you had to someone else, and that's probably weird. Most times in business, a business um, flat lines because the owner won't let go, and most business owners feel that they can do things in the business better than anybody else. And face it, you've invested a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And, and it's hard to find someone who will put as much into it as you will. And in fact, I would say you probably aren't going to find that person. And so um, in the church, I think it can be somewhat, it's different, but it can be somewhat the same way in that you get used to doing things or doing many things yourself, even if you're not really good at it. But it's predictable. You know it's going to get done. You know it's, and so... I find that it's it my my just a small foray into it because we've only in fact we haven't even really started yet it's June 1st and yet Nathan is around and doing it's been good to really for me to be able to focus more on the things I do well and the things that I need to do and know that there are other people taking care of the other stuff and there's things he is way better than I am at I mean he just does he just He's been trained differently, even though we've both been in business. There are different kinds of business, different levels. I'm more of a, a first-level entrepreneur kind of. Oh, that's a phone call. Take it. Take it. Everyone wants to hear who it is. Oh, it's Bailey. Hello, Bailey. Uh, yes, I am. Sure, I, nobody's here listening to you. Just a minute. Bailey needs the door open. So, you got something to say while I go open the door? Oh, I can keep people entertained. Okay, you entertain people. You can say whatever you want while I'm gone. I'm thinking while Stan's gone uh, that it would be a good idea to ask him to tell us all what Nathan is better than him at. Because that way, Nathan, every time you're feeling down, I bet you're listening to this, you can just replay this clip about what this pastor of many years is saying. You know what, Nathan? You're so much better than me at uh, being tall and having uh, not gray hair. And who knows? I, I know Stan and Lori got a horse, but he probably thinks he, you're a better keeper of horses than him. Uh, so I was thinking, Stan, now he's back. You should let Nathan know and everyone else what he's better than you at. He's better at organizing things. I mean, absolutely he is. I mean, I organize myself and my own stuff, but organizing other people. Um, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't like. I find it frustrating. Um, I can organize. Like, I think of it like juggling. I can juggle three things. And Nathan can juggle like seven. So if you kind of take organizing to juggling, mm -hmm. uh, or like the old Ed Sullivan show, if you've ever ever watched that, you're too young probably. But there's a guy he'd have saw a the plate. Beatles clip. He'd be have a plate on top of a stick, and, yeah. and he'd get like seven, eight, nine, ten plates spinning, at one, and he would just keep going by and 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 flicking. That's Nathan. He can he, his capacity. It's like 10, 11 plates, and, and, and mine is like three plates. So when we come back to meet together, I'm going to bring three balls up for you to juggle, and I'll bring seven up for him, and we'll see how accurate that statement is. Well, it's a metaphor. It's not a statement. It's a metaphor, right? Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. <laughs> um, so we've also got right now, it's probably going to be too late by the time we get around to this 
publishing online, but we are doing a craft dinner drive just yes. in case anyone's listening and it isn't done yet. What day do we have to have it in by? Uh, you have to have it in by Thursday. So Thursday I mean, the today? Yeah, no, like next or, Thursday. I mean last yesterday. Okay, yeah, next so Thursday. Today's the 15th. Okay, so you've got six days. 21st 22nd 22nd so if by any chance you hear this and it's not the 22nd yet uh, yet and you want to drop off some kd for us what's happening with the kd uh we're taking it to uh the salvation army for their food hamper drive and uh for during covid and and so they're very busy and like i don't know how much of a blessing craft dinner is uh, it could be a blessing and maybe it's not a blessing, but, uh, it, I mean, I guess if you're hungry, it tastes good, mm-hmm. but I like to fix it. Like I put extra cheese in and I put other things in to make it better. And, so and, uh, if you were speaking to like the general manager or, uh, owner of craft dinner, you would tell them their product isn't finished yet. Yeah. It's, it's incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the, it's the base model. Just like buying a, a car. I mean, it's, it hasn't got uh, electric windows or air conditioning or an automatic transmission. It, it needs a little bit of a, a, an upgrade. Do you ever make your own pasta from yeah, scratch? Yeah, Yeah. Because that's the one thing. Like, I've had pizza in Italy, and I've had pasta in Italy. And people always talk, I feel like people always talk about pizza. I mean, it's because everyone loves pizza. Mm-hmm. But the pasta, the difference in quality between there and here was insane. It's totally different. I mean, even if you go to the store and you get fresh-made pasta, uh, even at the grocery store, there's a huge difference between that and dried pasta. But then make your own is, uh, I mean, it's just, it's its its tenderer, more flavorful. Um, their sauce is much different. Um, but anyway, I'm not sure what that has to do with the church. Oh, uh. It's the church is like pasta. Oh, okay. It's fine and flowery. I don't know what I'm doing. I just I just saying the things that come to mind. Oh, okay. I'm just having a normal conversation here. The way the way my mind trails off, I guess. I'll think of something and I'll talk okay. to you about that it. Made, that that put, sheds a lot more light on the thing. I've got more I can tell you, but if okay. you want to get back to the church, yeah. What do you think? Like when we're talking about things when we're coming back from COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. what do you see as the positive, like the positive changes that we could be seeing because of this? Well, I think it's pushed the the um, in any movement you have the entrepreneur who's out there doing the thing for the first time, and then you have the early uh, adapters. They're the guys that go, hey, man, that's kind of cool. Let's let's push and do that. And then you have the mainstream of people. So what I've seen is there are a few churches that do online well, who are creative, who know how to really engage your attention. I mean, you stop and think of it. Jesus, when he taught, it was outdoors. Uh, do you think that the things that he taught in the in the pictures, I mean, we talked about the the sower. I, in my mind, I see a, in the backdrop on the hillside a guy out sowing seed, and Jesus sees that and uses that as a teaching picture as, as he's on a hillside with the sun out, the wind gently blowing. Um, very few people are good at engaging and, and it's very difficult in a building to do what Jesus did and to teach the way Jesus taught. It's, it's counterproductive to do that indoors. And so what I see that the pandemic has done is it's pushed the bubble of creativity. It's pushed churches to learn to do things in different ways to step out and, and not be thinking so much in the box. It's allowed people a lot more freedom to experiment and uh and so i i think when we come back my hope is is well i don't think we're going to go back to the same old same old church and my hope is that we can um 
learn to engage. Like maybe we shouldn't be preaching on Sunday morning. Maybe we should be teach. Like this week, I I teach the Bible lesson from jail. I I we've got the oldest jail in the county, right in Kitchener, and so I I go to the jail. I'm outside of the courtyard of the jail, and and I'm teaching about about um, John and Peter while I'm at the courthouse jail. And, and maybe maybe we should be more creative in our teaching and maybe maybe there's nothing wrong with having it on a screen as opposed to you know some balding fat old guy up front with his Bible open droning on and putting people to sleep. Like I think that's just horrible. It's the worst thing you can do is bore people with the Bible. I mean, you should take a Bible and smack them over the head. If you're that, I mean, if people are bored and falling asleep, you're probably bored. Um, like, what's that all about? Where is this sharper than a two-edged sword, being able to divide soul and spirit? That's what the Bible's supposed to be like. It's supposed to be engaging. It's supposed to speak to your life. It's supposed to be powerful. And, and we treat it. I mean, I, I'm, I, I hate it. When I'm preaching up front and I'm fired about something and I've spent 20 hours studying so that I can... T and you see people like staring off into the distance or sleeping. I mean, like, go, go to bed. Go home. Don't come to church. But the same way, if all you can do is drone on about Scripture and not have any power or any conviction about what you're saying, you should shut up and go home. So one thing you're saying there that I connected with was being experimental with our technology now and going to the jail cell. What that made me think about was how if you watch any documentary, and we'll just talk about documentaries usually about some biblical thing. Mm -hmm. I've seen some which are pretty, I'm pretty sure the whole thing was a lecture. And there was a man standing at a podium and someone just filmed it. Then there's other ones where it's, well, more of a documentary and that the same material basically is being presented, mm -hmm. but they're in Israel. They're showing you uh, architecture. They're showing you artifacts. And it doesn't even have to be the uh, most... Let's take care of this phone for a second. It's busy today. We're popular. Yeah. I well, maybe so. you are. No one's calling me. And check. I think I got a few text messages, but I, you know, nobody famous anyway. Um, I just hung up on the associate pastor. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. But you know, I've watched some where it's not even like, oh, here we are standing in Israel, and this is the, you know, the Megiddo plane. It's actually just could even be stock footage. They're just panning around, and it's it. it gets you more engaged sure. regardless so if you're standing in a jail cell here that is nothing really like the jail cells there yeah. it doesn't matter like it's like whoa you got my attention yeah. and this is cool so what if what if about 10 of these hundred people churches banded together created one church had five services six services on a sunday had worship but but we, you take those 10 pastors' salaries and you bring them down to maybe two, two teachers and, and you go to Israel for four weeks and you, you put together a year's worth of teaching in those four weeks. I mean, you can flesh out some of it later on. But why? I mean, we, we see people really going out there now for university teaching and going online and really digging in like why should the church not be maybe a little more proactive that's really not the right word a little more creative a little mm -hmm. more um engaged in in actually teaching in a way that's going to help people learn I would love that. I would also think it'd be important that I get to come with and okay. be probably the person that, you know, the glue for that group of pastors that maybe, you know, I should be doing like the MC work on those videos or something. But because I've been there too before, I'd be, yeah. you know, I'd be treading old ground. It, w it wouldn't be any problem. 
but uh, if you were to do something like that, I would suggest finding a professor to go and give the sort of tour around, help you get the yeah. material, because I went there when I was doing my master's at Nottingham with Professor Roland Dynas and a German professor who was working there, and I believe he's back in Germany working now, and, you know, want to give him the shout-out if by any chance he came across this. Uh, the tour he gave us of Israel was incredible. I can't... I, I almost don't want to go back because there's no way it can be topped. The amount of information and places... Like, we were just driving, and, you know, we're used to seeing a sign by the side of the... or by the artifact, or, and it's like, this is this location... He just pulled over on the side of the road, and there's a river. He's like, this is the river where David fought Goliath. And it's like, what? Like, we, anyone else would have driven right past it. And it was place after place like that. Because yeah. he'd, lived, he'd lived in the country before and studied there, worked there. And um, I was sitting there like, I want my dad to come on a trip here with me. But there's no way, like, he would get this incredible experience. I have. So if you, if you were able to find... A professor of the ancient Near East, like yeah, it's we have so somebody worth it. right in Cambridge who's amazing, uh, a guy named Joe Amaral, and and Joe, when uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, but they were doing uh, every year they'd go to Israel for a period of time, and and they put together TV shows, and he would get local experts in mm -hmm. Israel. Like he got this network of people. I mean, he. He took you up underneath uh, the Temple Mount in some of the aqueducts and mm -hmm. I mean, places you just wouldn't expect to go. He'd have experts, not necessarily where they're Christ were they Christians, but they knew the biblical terrain and they knew what was going on. And uh, and he would have Jewish scholars and, and and you just got a whole different view. I thought he, you know, I may not agree with everywhere that he went in his conclusions, but he. He did an amazing job teaching the Bible. Yeah, and w what you, I guess, want is the sort of, like, no-frills version of things. And I, well, why I say this, because when we were there, we saw the tour guides, and there was a huge difference between what we were getting and the tour guides were giving. And because the tour guides rely on tips, and not, like, tour guides are great, so I'm not hating on them at all. But, th like, it was a performance kind of thing sure. like there was uh you know was this stone the stone that jesus was teaching on you know uh from this corner of the temple mount or the temple is this where like yeah. you know throwing these kind of hypotheticals out yeah. and that make you oh wow like let's take a picture of this piece of stone or something and if you get like just someone whose uh expertise is in the history and the artifacts and the architecture, they're they're, I guess, just giving you just the facts. Yeah. And like I, I was writing things down in a journal, and I couldn't keep up because it just, you know, it never stopped. I know, I know what you mean. There's there's an old adage out there that if all the pieces of the cross that have been sold were yeah. added up, you could have built Noah's Ark out of it. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot that's that's truthful, and there's a lot that isn't truthful, and and you have to do some digging. And I'll say one thing about my time there. I think the most important uh, thing that I saw or like knowledge that I gained was I'd always read about there's dispute about the location of certain biblical things. Right, and that seemed like a bit of an issue to me uh -huh. so we went and we saw the garden of gethsemane there's two possible locations that disagree between the catholics and the orthodox on which one is the garden of gethsemane turns out they're across the street from each other like you know that is not the impression i had when, when they talk about disputing the location of things, I thought we were going to be kilometers apart. It's like, no, like we could toss stones and hit each other depending on which garden we're in. It's like, it's the same area. Yeah. Um, and there was just a whole bunch of stuff like that where it was like, wait, like the, the, the dispute over this is like, you know, so minimal right. compared to 
what you get in your head when you hear that there is one. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's going to be interesting what we see when we come back out of COVID and the church gets back together. I, I'm, my prayer is that it really opens up, that there, uh, that what we've done in the last number, and I think what most churches have done and been able to put together in a very short period of time has taken a lot of creativity, the work of a lot of people coming together, uh, even though we're separated. Um, and, and I hope that continues. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we see Verity take off and we see uh, you know, whatever it's like when we're back in the building and whether we, and maybe we have to have two, three services because just of the size limitations, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we, maybe there are zoom parts of it and maybe there are real parts of it. And, and, uh, I can't see there's such, there's been such a emphasis throughout history on breaking bread together, singing together. There's just there's got to be a way to work around that. And, and I wonder five years from now, if we'll look at the pandemic and things, things are going to be closer to they were than not. Uh, but we're, I mean, we're going to be more careful. We're going to be maybe, maybe quicker to quarantine quicker to, but, but I mean, just think if we went through like, the last major quarantine last major epidemic was uh influenza in the early um 1912 somewhere in there 10 some it, spanish I, flu yeah and so that's you know that's that's kind of the last time and we kind of got into a a pretty interesting rhythm mm-hmm. um and now it i mean we think everything's going to change maybe it maybe it will but for how long and how deep, I mean, that's still up, up in the air. I can't remember if you mentioned this today, but like this is all raising questions about what it means when in Romans, when Paul talks about listening to the authorities, obeying the authorities, because this is not the hypothetical situation we used to debate in Bible college, yeah. right? It was like the government saying certain things that are morally to us wrong are legal or illegal. And this is totally different. This is health stuff now that they're talking about. And how reality very seldom looks like the straw man that's built. Mm -hmm. And so, but there are, there are things. So what, what are the non non negotiables? Yeah. And, and so is coming together. I mean, we've been told to gather together. Mm hmm. And for a period of time, we can not gather together. But governments have a way of taking what is going on in extreme measures and uh, codifying that into into actions down the road. So, I mean, you look at Alberta's thing. If Alberta's thing sticks for the next ten years, there will be there will be really no churches meeting and doing what we've done for centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're then we've got to think, th- I think we have to rethink that through. We're like so blessed where we are when like we're going through a global pandemic and this has to be the most comfortable pandemic in the history of the world for like us living here. Yeah. I know there definitely are people here that are suffering right now, but for the people, at least in my life, most of, you know, we're watching a lot of Netflix. Yeah. We're not worrying about where our next meal is coming from. Um, I mean, obviously, that again, that isn't for everyone here, but just my circle. And if this happened at another point in time in history, this could look a lot worse. You wouldn't have social distanced at all if, I mean, I mean it would have come a long ways down the road or not at all. Uh, it would have been millions dying mm-hmm. versus uh, the numbers that we have now. Um, I mean, there, it, in, in some of those early epidemics, like with the Spanish flu, there was not hardly a family that wasn't touched by death. Mm-hmm. You walk through the graveyards and you see the babies and, and, uh, and young people. Um, I mean, you guys, the young people have a, 
pretty with the medicine we have today. I mean, it's 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 a, a, a horrible, and I've talked to some younger people. It's like horrible. Uh, it's a horrible uh, uh, flu to go through, mm-hmm. but the chances are you're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's people my age and older, and I'm, I mean, I have lung problems. Uh, I probably wouldn't make it through. Right. Um, but um, you're right. I mean, if this had happened 100 years ago, man, totally different. Before we wrap up, we should give a shout-out to all the volunteers who have been keeping this place afloat, getting everything ready, because this was not supposed to be this way. We spoke, would have been in full swing by now. I think the corona quarantine happened basically right when we were supposed to have our first Sunday service yeah, together right. as of, as Verity. We'd had some services together as the combined churches, but as Verity— and then uh, the quarantine happened, and there's yeah. been a bunch of people helping out, coming in daily, keeping their distance, yeah. and helping get things set up. Yeah. So we're very thankful to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should also let people know, if they want to come check us out, where they can find us now. So what's our address? I think it's 289 Lincoln Road, uh Waterloo, Ontario. And now we've also got website and Facebook pages. Yes. And though is it veritychurch.ca? Uh, dot com. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you can also find us on Facebook at Verity Church. Yeah. If you put Verity Church CA dot we own all of it and it all flows into the same, but it's dot com. Okay. So you it's, want, it's, we're easy to find. You wanna take us out of here? Well, just uh, thank you for listening in. We, uh, we're kind of getting back in the saddle here, and uh, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be able to uh, come to you again with some more, uh, some more guests, and uh, maybe we can do some phone stuff. Uh, I don't know how we can social distance and do this, but we'll figure it out. We'd also love if anyone has any suggestions of people that they'd like to see on that they are able to get us in contact with. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Yeah, and I think probably Nathan's a guy that we'll get in fairly soon to uh, maybe in June. We'll we'll do one with him. And uh, anyway, the rest of you out there, stay safe. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Or washing your hands. <laughs>